I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP show. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 319. Before we chat with today's guests, here's a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show, of course, is brought to you by the 90 Day Mentoring Challenge. So far, people have attended this program from over 34 countries from around the world. Wherever you're located, this is an opportunity to invest in your career. If you want to be mentored on the next 90 Day Mentoring Challenge, please go to nz365guy.com forward slash mentoring. It is free. The program is free. So uh, if, as I say, you want to take that step, uh, the next intake is opening around the 1st of July, 2021. Okay, let's go on with the show. Today's MVP is from Pennsylvania, USA. Currently, she works at Hitachi as a power platform developer. She's in her first year as an MVP. She loves cats and indoor plants and also passionate about video games and has an impressive collection of retro consoles. You can check her out on Twitter at TattooedCRMGirl and her website, TattooedCRMGirl.com. Emma Darcy, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mark, how's it going? It's been a minute. Yes, it has, it has. How's life for you? It has been pretty wild and crazy, but uh, absolutely no complaints for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You still haven't lost that strong accent. <laughs> no, it's definitely still here for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't remember where the last time we chatted, you had moved to Pennsylvania, or was it pre your move to Pennsylvania? Yeah, I moved to Philadelphia right as the pandemic hit. I think it was like two weeks before everything was locked down. So yeah, I'm starting to only now get to discover what Philadelphia has to offer. And you haven't run into apartment issues like the one where your roof fell in with all the water or something at one point? <laughs> yeah, my, my roof flooded. Yeah, that was in August. But um, I've actually since then I've moved out. I've bought my own apartment now. So yeah, I live right beside the art museum. So, you know, do the rocky steps in the morning. Very cool. So you're a property owner. I am. Yeah, I feel very adult. Very nice. Very nice. What attracted you to Philly? So it's a bit of a long story, but kind of my sister lives here. And when you're in the South and you're single in your 30s, it's a different ball game. So I decided to try my luck up here. And yeah, it's definitely worked out a lot better. <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome. And, and I think you've done a couple of job switches. I have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Last time we chatted, I was at uh, Click Dimensions. I've been there for about four years, did a very short stint with AIS. And then I am now at Hitachi. So doing some pre-sales work now for Hitachi back in, back in kind of my, my niche. Nice. Nice. And are you doing pretty much all remote work these days or, or, or what's working for you? Yeah, so fully remote. Um, so Hitachi did acquire CapEx, I think it was in 2019. And CapEx actually had a head office here in Philadelphia Center City. So I do have an office I can go to now, which is really nice. As in CapEx, as in, is that like CapEx, am I thinking of? The, um, the chat tool? Mm, 
no, CapEx, C-A-P-E-X. It's that accent, right? It's Okay. Okay. So, so what was CapEx? What type of company was that? I think they did data analytics primarily. I should probably know that more, but I'm, I'm still fresh and new at Hitachi, so I have an excuse. Yeah, no, fair call, fair call. And, of course, you've been on the show before, so if listeners want to check out the show notes, you can hear the last chat I had uh, with uh, Emma. But today we're going to talk about her experience as an MVP. How long have you been an MVP now? A whole year. I became MVP. Yeah, MVP in June of 2020, which was crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's a year this month. Yep, exactly. So it's it's been what a roller coaster it's been. Honestly, it's been wild. Uh, did anything really change for you as in becoming an MVP? Definitely, I think it opens the door for me with regards to job opportunities. But it also is really helpful with helping guide clients with future projects. So kind of having that direct access to product teams is really helpful, and having an idea as to where the industry is going to go as a whole has been really beneficial to clients. Yeah, yeah. What was the What's it like as in uh, working at Hitachi and not so much the company as such, but the fact that Hitachi globally has, to my knowledge, the largest pool of BizApps MVPs? Correct. Yep. Um, At last count, we had 14 MVPs, which is absolutely wild. It's a really nice kind of community feel. So it's really great to be able to chat to other MVPs who've been through the same process and discuss things internally. Uh, it's 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 really welcoming and really nice. I definitely enjoy it there. Wow, interesting. You know how I think I don't know if it's Joel that did it, but he's got the playing cards or something. Yeah, that's it. Well, the thing is, in my mind, it's interesting how you know you can set anchors for people because when you said fourteen, then I was like, oh, I thought they were like fifty-two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like I'd been anchored off. I don't know. Is there fifty-two cards in a a, 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 a standard deck of cards? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But I, that's the number I was thinking of, and I didn't realize it's like a deck of cards, the metaphor, but it's not like the full deck of cards. Like, ah, uh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Um, what's what? What is the benefit of having, of being in a crew, if you like, where you know there are so many MVPs, and of course, of those Bazap MVPs, they're specialists in various areas, right? They're not all just doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So um, doing pre-sales power platform for Hitachi as a whole, having access to so many MVPs that have experience across so many different aspects of not only power platform, but dynamics as well. Back in the day, uh, it's really nice because it means if I come across a client that needs speciality or expertise in a certain topic, I can kind of reach out to the gang and be like, hey, who's worked on this? Can I pick your brain on this? Uh, So having that range of people that are such experts in their fields is just vastly invaluable. You just can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. I'm I'm interested also, I mean, just amazing network opportunities there, but of course, remote networking as such. But tell me about the culture of Hitachi that's able to attract so many top, you know, skilled folks to the business. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And culture is the main reason why I'm now kind of posted up at Hitachi. Just firstly, being able to come into a company and knowing pretty much all of your colleagues straight at the bat, it kind of gets rid of that new job jitters that a lot of people get. So that was from my perspective. But from a cultural perspective, they're just it's just such a diverse culture there and it's so inclusive so there's very much encouragement around diversity and also promoting women in tech and stuff which I'm very very passionate about so having that there is great but also the 
encouragement to learn and grow and work on projects you actually want to work on is really nice. You know, it, it's funny because, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a feeling that MVPs are a bunch of prima donnas. And <laughs> yes. And I was just wondering, you know, what do you do when you got 14 prima donnas in a room? Um, like who wins in that scenario? It honestly doesn't feel that way. So I know that in the MVP community there, it can feel that way with maybe a lot more senior MVPs, not yourself, Mark, obviously, of course, but, uh, with a lot of other senior MVPs, it can. Are, are you meaning old? Are you saying old? <laughs> are you using a polite word like senior when you're meaning old? <laughs> no, not at all. It's just people who've, who've been in the MVP program for a minute, you know, um, there can be that perception, but I really don't feel that way about a lot of the MVPs. I especially work with at Hitachi and also work with outside of Hitachi as well. I think there can be that perception. Um, I don't really get the kind of elitist feel from the other 13 MVPs that I work with, though. There's very, very much a camaraderie and how can I help you and let's work together to make things better, which is really nice. Awesome. It's awesome. Tell me about your journey to becoming an MVP. Oh my gosh, uh, it's a really fun story. So way back when I was at Hitachi, uh, myself and two other, not Hitachi, oh my goodness. I was going to say, I was going to say, were you there before and you left and you came back? <laughs> I've been working with Hitachi for so long now. It feels like I've always been there. <laughs> um, so yeah, way back at Click Dimensions, I'd only been there for about a year. I didn't really know what an MVP was. So obviously we had Matt Whitteman, who was my boss, and Matt and I have some really good banter and history between us. And um, that's what I learned about. Uh, I don't, MVP I don't was. know if he goes by the name Matt Whitteman, isn't it? Matt, Matt fucking Whitteman. It might just be. I believe there's a rumor around that he does have a secret nickname. Yes, I think if you like mutter his name three times in front of a mirror, he'll appear and like. <laughs> start shouting marketing things at you but <laughs> <laughs> classic so yes you're with Matt and then tell what what happened next <laughs> so yeah I uh, worked with two other colleagues at Click Dimensions one of whom is now at Hitachi and the other is all kicking ass somewhere else he's, he's doing great and we first learned about MVPs through Gus Gonzalez and we were listening to his podcast and kind of learning more about what the world around us looked like outside of Click Dimensions and so that was when we were like oh this seems really cool I wonder what all is involved in becoming an MVP because they seem to like have all the secret insider knowledge and are part of this like inner circle club almost. And so <laughs> we started our own podcast that went nowhere. It was horrendous. And we called what it What was it called? Three Blind Mice because we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and it Who was are the like, other two people in that podcast? Um, my very good friend Alison Fierce and my very good friend Chris Fairfax. So the two of wow. them. And awesome. yeah, Three Blind Mice. Our, our, I love it trash podcast was just us trying to figure out basic crm things or dynamics things and it was just awful uh but it was a lot of fun so from there i went to my first ever dynamic summit community in dublin i think this was 2017 oh, yeah, yeah 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 and i met i met uh chris huntingford for the first time and honestly that it that really was my trajectory launch into the community and after that, I will have to say I credit a lot of my journey to becoming an MVP to Joel Lindstrom as he took took me under his wing and helped me, helped encourage me to speak at events. And Matt did the exact same thing. He very much helped me encourage, help encourage me to speak at different events and things like that. And it was honestly just a natural progression. I never really expected it to happen. But when it did happen, I was extremely grateful that the work I had been doing had been recognized. So it was really nice. So 
Was there a difficulty in, and and this is more switching to your career here, moving from your probably arguably the most successful ISV partner in the BizApps ecosystem into then going, you you know, you're in now consulting pre-sales role. Was was there much of a transition for being in a a product seller as an add-on to the the, the uh, to BizApps as into working partner side? Very, very much so. So for me at Click Dimensions, I very much felt like big fish in the little pond. I knew everything there was to do with Click Dimensions. I knew all my clients. You know, I was like one level below uh, Mike Dickerson himself, who I became really good friends with. He, he's an awesome person. So having that really nice, well-known visibility in the Click Dimensions world and moving into uh, firstly AIS is where I went was terrifying because it is almost like a full career switch. I'm going from knowing everything about my current role to moving to a company with really, really big names like Andrew Welch and Lee Baker and Keith Watling and these huge power platform people was terrifying. So um, it was, but it was the move that I needed. Somebody once told me you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable to actually grow. And I really wanted to focus a lot of my efforts around Power Platform as a whole. So at AIS, I was doing like a crossover between Dynamics, customer engagement work and Power Platform. But I really wanted to be focused specifically on Power Platform. So that's why I made the move to be at Hitachi. Plus, pre-sales is my jam, man. I don't know how any of you guys ever did delivery. I can't do it. It's not for me. I get bored after like two meetings with a client who's like, I want to switch this toggle from blue to red. I don't care. I just want to build a demo that looks cool, that solves a problem and move on. So pre-sales has been much more of my jam. Awesome. Tell me, like pre-sales means so many different things to different people. What is pre-sales in your mind? So pre-sales for me is basically showing the customer the art of the possible, especially with Power Platform, because it is such a broad subject to talk about with the client. And it also can be very difficult because I think clients are very much still in the SaaS mind where they're like, I have this problem. I need to buy this application to solve this individual problem. But now with Power Platform and being able to show a client, okay, I can actually help you solve multiple problems. I can give you back time, money, and resources with one platform instead of giving you an application to solve one single part of your business problems. Uh, That part has been really fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. So good. It's it's definitely an exciting part of the ecosystem to be in. T- tell me um, what's, uh, what, what's on your radar the next six to 12 months? What in the tech are you really focusing on? What's a highlight for you? So still very much kind of showing people the art of the possible with Power Platform is what I'm currently focusing on. A lot of PVA seems to be coming back into the, my realm as well. So Power Virtual Agents, for those of you not familiar with the acronym, that's been something that I have seen grow massively over the last 12 months, especially because we have been in this quarantine pandemic situation across the globe. There is this need to be able to interact digitally on a broader scale. So PVA has been a really nice solution to some of those problems. Nice, nice. Is there anything that you're kind of hoping that the that you know perhaps will hit the roadmap or features that you'd love to see across the power plat? Oh, so much. So I really do think that there needs to be a broader emphasis on governance when it comes to power platforms. So 
I love when companies say, cool, Power Platform sounds like it's going to solve all of my problems and they take it and they implement it, but they don't really understand that implementing it, yes, is going to solve you all of these problems, but you also have to understand you've got to be able to manage that beast because it can, it can cause problems if you're not, if you don't know what you're doing correctly. So I, I would love to see more talk around governance of the actual platform as a whole, but also when people think of governance, it seems to be this horrible, nasty, scary, big brother word. I want to shift that from being controlling the power platform at your organization to nurturing and growing and giving makers safe spaces to develop and learn. Mm-hmm. I like it. So the center of excellence type tooling, the, mm-hmm. the, it's interesting. I was just, just before talking to you, I was, I was talking to a customer uh, in Australia and works for a government agency and when COVID hit, they started using Teams, as you can imagine. And then six months later, they found they had 7,000 channels, you know, because, and they're, they're now going to the Power Platform. And of course, they're, from the get-go, they're going, hey, how do we put governance around this? And, you know, what what is there? And of course, the COE kit, you know, is a, is a starting point for that. And um, it was interesting, though, they were quite clear that it's not around locking down and stopping anybody doing anything, but like you say, creating creative space for makers to actually excel, but also, you know, have good housekeeping to keep things tidy on the back end and uh, make sure no data has been leaked or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, in theory, it's really simple, right? You give your makers the space to learn and develop, and as they grow uh, with expand their knowledge, you then give them different segments of environments to develop those applications in. So productivity environments for the learning, important for team development. So applications that are small to medium, but based on actual team solutions. And then of course, you have your critical environments that are going to be things that are managed more by IT, but things that are, you know, business critical and mission critical to the actual organization. So in theory, once you get that base down, and you understand why you need to do it that way, the rest of it will really fall in place. So like you said, the COE starter kit is a starter kit. It's not the silver bullet that a lot of organizations think that it is. It all really comes down to making sure you have the theory and the methodology in place before you start giving those tools to the makers. I like it. I like it. Any recommendations for folks considering or wanting to become MVPs? Yeah, um, just get out there and have your voice heard. So I think what a lot of people struggle with, and some of my friends in the community have told me this before, is that when they're starting a blog or if they have this idea and they want to actually go and write something about something, they kind of have a couple of things that they point out. They say, firstly, somebody else has already written on this topic. I can't write about this topic. That's not true. You can always write about a topic somebody else has written about because chances are you're going to have a viewpoint on it that's different to everybody else or your teaching style or your writing style is going to be very different to everybody else. The second thing I also note from a lot of people trying to start kind of getting their ideas out there is that they're worried their blog doesn't look professional enough or it's it's not right. It's not perfect. It will never be perfect. So get out there, get it started. And um, it will happen naturally. So my blog is a bit of a mess. But look, as long as you can read my stories, and you can kind of understand what I'm message I'm trying to get across, it doesn't matter. No one's going to look at my blog and be like, Oh, my God, the font is terrible or whatever. I don't care. And then the third thing I have to hammer home, this is something that was always told to me at the start is be your authentic self. So don't try to copy anybody else. And I think we hear this a lot in the community. 
is just be yourself, write in your own way that you write. Don't try to imitate anybody else's work or anybody else's character. And if you have something that's unique about yourself, I would say promote that or build a brand around that thing that makes you different. Yeah, I love it. So much wisdom all wrapped up there uh, with you, Emma. Very, very good. Very good. Um, I love it. Okay, are you ready for uh, your wrap-up questions? This is my favorite part. I think I'm more prepared this time, Mark. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best thing about being Irish? Oh, my God. I would say the culture and the fact that everywhere I go, everyone really likes me. (laughs) What's the last random thing that made you smile? Uh, My partner made me dinner, and he normally doesn't make dinner, and it was fantastic. So that really made me very happy. So was that shock or was that a smile? It was it was definitely a smile for sure. Yeah. What's your worst habit? Oh goodness. I would say I am terrible at making decisions and I second guess every decision I make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And finally, what is a mistake people often make about you? Ah, they assume that because I'm Irish, I really like to drink. I'm actually completely sober and have been a hundred percent sober since January first. This year? Mm-hmm. Wow. Fantastic, fantastic. I'll have to look for a new jet drinking buddy for next summer. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm not still fun. <laughs> so true. Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure as always to chat with you. Uh, I look forward to publishing this soon and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mark. It was a pleasure chatting to you again. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, also known as the NZ365 guy. If you like the show and want to support the show, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 guy. I'd love to see your message that you leave there. Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed it. As I said, thanks again and see you next time.